and welcome to a new and not um, belated episode of the Morning Star Journal. Um, this is a podcast where I take some time to go over um, different things, uh, books, movies, TV shows, music, just anything and everything on top of my head, give you my own retrospective, my own personal feelings, likes and dislikes on it. And it has been a long, long time, and this is an episode that's been long-awaiting that started with uh, The Predator and then The Terminator, and now to finally end the horror action sci-fi trilogy, PTA, ATP, TAP, whatever you want to call it, is the Alien franchise. And you can almost hear them in the background. Um, bringing a returning guest, um, pretty much my only guest, and probably one of my one few viewers or listeners I have. But um, you have heard him before. He's been on the show before. He is a brilliant uh, technician, IT support uh, personnel. He's also a great musician. He is an author of several books as well as a novel that you can find on Amazon. He's also an influencer on LinkedIn. You can also find him on his Styles by Three streaming uh, RPGs. He is the brilliant connoisseur of coffee, pizza, and popcorn. He is a fellow lover of movies and TV and all that jazz of fiction, none other is, and also from his own podcast, Car Thoughts with David, David Calvert. Welcome back. Absolutely, and yeah, it has been it has been crazy, and I've been trying to get this set up, and trust me, and I know it's been long, and I'm checking this silly thing, and I'm hoping that it picks up. It has been a long time since I've actually had to record anything, so I'm definitely hoping that it doesn't mess up on us right now. Uh, but we're going to be doing this now. This episode might be a little bit longer than normal because we're going over the entire Alien franchise. So we are going everything from the first Aliens back in 1979 all the way to Covenant, I think was last year, maybe? Okay. There's still four more. Oh, I know. So yeah, so that's a little bit what I was going to say is that this is, this is the longest franchise that's been around longer than either of us have been alive it's still going now so this is one of the oldest ones and i would also say that this is the most out of all three of those uh predator terminator and this one this is the most sci-fi of them all i'll kind of go into that a little bit but we're going to do things a little bit differently on this so normally on uh most of uh my a podcast, I try to go deep into the episode, try to go into the nitty-gritty, the um, music behind it, some 
uh, facts and things about the movies, but to kind of save time and also been so busy, haven't been able to research everything, I'm really just going to go over the basic plots of each movie. We're just going to go over the things that we just liked, disliked, we thought, and also just our feelings of the Alien franchise in general. Not only what you thought of when you saw that movie, but kind of where you were in the headspace in each one. Because I think it, each movie happens so far apart that the entire movie genre changes like during each movie. I mean, we kind of talked about it back in um, Terminator, how each one kind of reflects the times. But Aliens is something that's been around for almost 40 years. It's permeated just about everything in pop culture. So, um, I'm gonna is that it, there's so, they're, they're like, they're so different. There's so much that kind of goes on like behind them and within them that your mind just changes completely with each one. So, the first thing, before we even talk about aliens, what was your first, you know, what was your first experience to the alien? Like, how, because they've been around longer than we've been born. Like I said, both movies were out when we were just kids. So, um, did you kind of fall into the movies or did you see them maybe like somewhere else and then eventually? Um, I kind of fell into them uh, because by the time the first one came out, like you said, we weren't, we weren't yet uh, born. Just happened to be that when I started really getting into uh, science fiction, you know, I was into you know Star Wars. Obviously, my uncle saw that uh, at a very young age. Um, but the actual movie uh, genre of science fiction, you know, I kind of into. You know, so when I would watch movies on TV, that was actually how I watched uh, Alien the first time when it came on basic television cable because we didn't have cable where I lived. So I actually saw it on my black and white TV. Yeah. <laughs> Out in the country in the middle of nowhere. Um and watched the edited for TV version, uh, which was still pretty intense, uh, you know, for you know, even for being on TV. But um, you know, I just remember being entranced because it was so different from every other science fiction. And I think it's something I didn't realize until recently with this whole shift in movie making that's happened is that was actually the first movie to have a female lead that was the hero and the male character played the part of the female character being the damsel in distress that ended up being uh, violated and having this violent childbirth which was the scene of her popping out of his mm-hmm. chest and dying and you know all of that and then Sigourney Weaver's character was actually this badass hero character which now every Hmm. Yeah, it, um, it's weird because, like, my first experience wasn't with, I don't know if it was with the aliens per se, but I, I remember a lot of auxiliary things with the aliens that eventually I saw the um, first two aliens. Um, the things I remember, like, specifically was Contra. And um, the old Nintendo game, 
if you when you play through Contra, when you get towards um, the ending part where it starts to become more, you know, kind of alien per se, um, you start seeing things like the face huggers start popping up. You see the eggs. And you have, like, and there's certain monsters that come up that look like the Xenomorphs. So it was, like, at that point where, like, I started seeing them. And Aliens is so weird because, for one thing, it's just called Aliens. I mean, it's like saying, um, it's like if Lethal Weapon was just called Cops. I mean, it's so generic. And they called it Cops is just so generic. And if you think about it, you would think Alien it's kind of called it generic because how many times is alien used um, like for real aliens? I mean, you know, like sci-fi aliens you see on other shows, um, real as far as like um, people come from different countries considered alien or immigrant um, and like chemicals, like an alien compound, which just means an unknown, like either not, not identified or at least not uh, native to it, yeah, you know, sometimes not, not native to the system, um, so it's just so generic, but at the same time, when you say alien, you immediately know what <laughs> what you're talking about, so yeah, so mine was like, was that, and then also I would see things like the um, alien, um, what is it, the, uh, the video games and the arcades and stuff like that, so like a lot of the arcades already had those, and I was always kind of curious on it. But I, I, I can't say when I saw the first two movies. Um, and it may have been, it, may, it must have just been like a rental somewhere. But at the same time, I remember seeing the third one. I remember that was like maybe the first one that I actually saw in, in, in theaters. But no, but no, it was like, but, but I had seen them at that point. Like I, I, at some point I saw the other two, because I was anticipating the third one, and then going forward. So, the third one is probably the first one I remember seeing at theaters, which would be kind of weird uh, when we talk about when the third one came out, because then I'm like, I was only 12 at the time. How was I? How exactly? <laughs> My parents obviously didn't pay attention. Right. <laughs> at that point. They were not paying attention, or maybe they... they maybe they like the, um, the other cast. Right, exactly. Well, you know, I can't, can you know, that's like that's a step up from uh, boogie monsters and uh, trolls, and when we say aliens are coming out, and and that's also one of the things that I think this franchise really defined things in general because you've got these aliens that are in know some terms, completely alien. I mean, you had, even up in this point, um, uh, you have Alien, which was in May 25th of 1979. And even then, you had, um, I think Star Trek was airing, yeah. of course, on TV, and Star Wars had just came out. Yeah, I think Empire was going to come out the next year. So. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, the concept of alien, and then you also had like shows like, um, was it, you had Doctor Who and um, other kind of sci fi shows back then. But aliens was different because you had an alien creature that wasn't humanoid, that 
wouldn't find a way to communicate. Right, you wouldn't find it. There was no way to talk to it. Exactly. There was no talking to it. There was no negotiating with it. Um, There was nothing. And and also it had a crazy design um, improved in um, Aliens. um, But even in the first Alien, it was just a crazy different design for you know this alien creature and it really changed not just movies but like i said in video games and tv and cartoons uh, going forward whenever you whenever they would do anything that was that you had to show an alien that wasn't humanoid that would be the staple it would always go back to okay that's the template for that one. Like I remember, um, uh, uh, X Men comics. They're the characters called the Brood, and they were specifically designed to look like aliens. Like there was no question about it. And just the fact that you, they would come in these kind of hives, and then one of the major things is they had a Brood Queen. So it they did exactly from aliens. Um, did you see a lot of that, like, kind of, you know, as you were growing up, that you just saw it, like, in all these different places? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely changed the way we perceived what an alien could be, because up until that point, it was always, like, you know, something humanoid-esque, you know? Uh, it was always, you know, like, you know, the 50s serial science fiction movies and stuff. It was always something that Theoretically, you know, you're like, oh, that's just a person in a suit. But what Alien did, you know, when they asked for the, the, um, you know, the the ideas for the Alien, they wanted it to be so disgusting and, and just unusual that uh, actually the, the guy who designed the Alien characters, H.R. Geiger, he, when he was coming to America to show his concept art and everything for the movies, he actually got detained in customs and they would not let him into the country. Because they opened up his art book when they were checking through his baggage and saw it and it was so disturbing to them that they were like, We don't we don't want you in our country. (laughs) So literally the screenwriter, I can't remember his name, something O'Brien, I can't remember his first name. Um Um, is it Dan O'Bannon? O'Bannon, there we go, Dan O'Bannon. Okay. So I was was in the ballpark. Uh he actually had to drive from the set to LAX, go talk to the customs agents and tell them, like, listen, this is for a movie. This guy's not some weird sicko that's going to, like, mass murder people because they thought he was going to be, like, some kind of serial killer with these drawings. He was, yeah. They were so disgusting that they were like, no. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, it was definitely something that people weren't used to seeing, and it challenged what we thought an alien could be. Because if you look at like Star Wars, Star Trek, I mean, there were alien races that were, you know, they were evil, they were mean, they wanted to hunt us down and kill us, but we could communicate with them and we knew why they were doing it. Whereas, you know, I think, you know, if there are alien races out in space, there are certainly going to be ones like this where it's like, we have no idea, we're going to infringe on their, you know, their land. Oh, yeah, and I say, you know, we're all going to be dead. You know? Right. Because there's just some things you just don't know. Um, and I think that's what um, what Ridley Scott really wanted to do with the franchise. And, of course, 
he also wanted to be very horror-filled as well, because up until that point, most of the science fiction movies were not that, you know, the, the main villain was not that scary. They were not that unbeatable. And I also think, um, kind of going back to the shows, the sci-fi shows, kind of depicted aliens very comically yeah. in, in, in a lot of cases, too. So, um, And I can't remember where a lot of the horror films at that time were, but I'd imagine a lot of horror films usually stuck to um, uh, supernatural. You know, they, your, your killers were either regular people, or they were supernatural. So having the killer be in sci-fi was a change. Yeah. At least back in the you know early yeah, seventies. Like Dracula, you had Frankenstein, you had like those types of movies, and then you had like the like you know uh, the the crime serials, you know, like uh, uh, you know kind of like Reefer Madness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why the movie from like the twenties. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you know, you had you had such a huge span, but you never really had anything. Aliens were always kind of like little green men, or you know, like with Star Wars, where it was just it was part of the tapestry, and everyone's kind of lived together. And really, technically, if you go back in the Star Wars lore, humans were actually the interlopers in the galaxy. So technically, we were the invader, uh, invader, alien race, because. Some of the books and stuff reference that humans are, weren't always from that galaxy. Mm-hmm. We found it. So I, okay. think, I think Lucas wrote it as at some point we traveled out in space from Earth and ended up finding that galaxy. And Interesting. Kind of taking it over, I guess. Okay. So. Well, let's actually get down into the alien. So, first one, so for. Um, so. Let's <laughs> take it that way down. <laughs> but um, but for all these movies now, just a guess warning that there will be uh, spoilers for all these movies. Now we're talking about a series that's forty years old, and even the last movie um, was back in actually two, uh, Covenant was actually uh, twenty seventeen, so uh, two years ago. So yeah, there will be spoilers, but of course you can see all these movies. Um, so the first one, Alien, came out on May 25th of 1979, and I'll just kind of go through a quick um, plot so I just remember it. So basically, you've got this uh, mining colony who hear a distress signal um, from the now-famous planet LV-426, because um, they run, because now there's actually a, uh, I think, it's actually been made into a kind of like unofficial holiday on um, April 26th as Alien Day. But um, but anyway, they uh, find this distress signal and go down to the planet. One of the crew, unfortunately, does the sci-fi trope of look at the thing you shouldn't be looking at. Uh, face Hugger gets on him. They take him back in the crew, even though they're told not to. And, of course, once they're on and everyone's good and rested, Alien bursts out of him and just starts killing the entire crew. Um, like I said, when I am pretty sure that I saw this movie, um, after seeing Aliens, because, uh, and we'll get to Aliens in a moment, but I kind of want to just talk about this part, is that, um, because 
Aliens was the one, the second movie, um, was the one that was more commercially out there. It was the one that they used in games and comics, and they made uh, toys, and a lot of things were based off of that. So that made me go see that one, and then eventually I saw this one. And I'll definitely say that this one, to me, was the most horror film. Because it, it had that sense of, like, you're in the haunted house, and you have this creepy thing that's taken out of one, one at a time. And you're right, but it, but at the same time, they didn't, if we're calling, they really didn't play up Ripley as this, uh, this heroine. And she's kind of this secondary character. It's almost like this bridge crew. And for the most part, you almost think that, um, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but whoever plays the, uh, I think it was the captain. Uh, Harrison Ford. No. He was, he was asked to play the captain. Oh, was he yeah, now? Yeah, Tom Spirit actually got the role when Harrison Ford turned it down. Oh, well, now that would have... Of course, his career almost did get destroyed by an alien in Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess turnaround's fair play, I guess, on that one. Um, and if we didn't get Harrison Ford there, uh, we may have gotten... Who was it for Han Solo? Like, um, no, Tom Solik was going to be Indiana Jones. I forgot who was going to be. I think Kirk... I think at one time I heard Kurt Russell was going to be Han Solo. So we could have gotten Harrison Ford in Alien, Kurt Russell in uh, Star Wars, and Tom Selleck in Indiana Jones. That's a... That would be a wild uh, <laughs> alternative dimension there. But kind of going back to Alien, um, and also uh, I will say that Alien, as uh, Dave mentioned earlier, is directed by Ridley Scott. Screenwriter was Dan O'Bannon, and then the story was by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald uh, Shusett. And you'll hear Dan O'Bannon quite frequently throughout all these series. I think he shows up um, a couple of times. Of course, Ridley Scott a little bit later. Um, you know, it's funny though. It's like, and and eventually, like I said, I did see it, and I thought it was okay, but I just didn't. I don't know, I just didn't fall in love with it when I first saw it. It was just, it was kind of like, okay, well, this is where it's from. But, you know, it was kind of one of those, like, I could have done without it. Um, it. It didn't latch me on to the franchise as much as the later series. And I don't know the same for you if you felt differently when you finally saw it. Yeah, it was, um, and I think really the reason for it is because it was the first of its kinds that are kind of breaking new ground. And the fact that it was kind of loosely based off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was kind of Ridley Scott's inspiration for how he wanted the movie to go. Really? So okay. He, he would, after seeing that, he was like, I want to do that but with space. Oh, and, well, that makes sense. so that's kind of where it came from, whereas the others later in the series became, they were still horror but it was more of a science fiction horror because we had that roadmap of what to do, whereas mm -hmm. this was taking kind of a low-budget uh, you know, uh, horror film and putting aliens in it, which it was still low-budget. I think the original budget for Alien was somewhere around the ten or $20,000. It was about like Star Wars. Yeah, that was one of the things I really noticed on this one was that, um, and, and it's kind of funny 
you know, looking back on it now is that it 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 was low budget and it feels low budget to the point where at times it almost feels like um, one of the, like a current uh, sci-fi original, you know, like a sci-fi oh, original sci-fi. movie or like the sci-fi channel, right? Yeah, sorry, the sci-fi channel original movie and. I don't want to say it was cheap or anything, but it definitely felt a lot lower budget than other films at the time. So I can definitely see that. And then, but the thing of it as only about, you know, a couple of thousand, I guess it makes sense because there were like, there weren't too many big sets. I mean, you've got the, um, kind of like when they're on the ship, which I believe that they actually use kids, uh, for that scene, right? Or something like that. Yeah, but it was actually, I think it was Ridley Scott's kids, his actual kids. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the suits they were in, when they were using the, the regular cast, uh, they were passing out because there was no air in them. They were totally oh. sealed up. So they, they'd do the scene and they'd have to film it real fast because, like, Ripley just be like, say her line or whatever, just fall over. And they're like, whatever. Yeah, here, we'll take the suit off. You can breathe. And <laughs> when, when they put his kids in the suit and they were like climbing around on the ship because mm-hmm. um, they needed smaller for the scale um, so that's why they used kids when his kids passed out that's when they actually fixed the suit so that Barry could get into them oh so, they had, <laughs> so, so once they endanger kids yeah, then we have fixed it you yeah. endanger adults yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, just, they're, getting paid. they're just getting paid that's okay <laughs> okay well, you know, I was just saying, like, when I was just passing out, they should have, like, um, reached out to, was it a Toho or Toyo or what are the uh, Japanese company who makes the Godzilla um, suits? Because they figured it out. <laughs> they, they, I mean, even though, like, I've heard stories that even they kind of, like, the suits couldn't be worn for too long. They, but they they managed to make suits that could be worn for uh, a few scenes before anyone passed out. So maybe they should have reached out to them for a little assistance. No, and they were doing that back in the 50s. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there was, uh, I mean, there was definitely some things that they did. And I guess in a way it helped looking back because you were actually they were actually literally in pain. Um, you know, like when a xenomorph popped out of uh, John Hurt's chest, nobody told anybody that that was going to happen. Oh. So, like, when they're sitting there, like, terrified and running around and screaming and all that, yeah. that was real. As a matter of fact, <laughs> the, the, the secondary female character, um, uh, who she actually thought she was going to be Ripley, she legit passed out in that scene. So, you, like, you see her, like, drop out of frame right there. That was her passing that was out. her literally passing out uh, because she wow. was so terrified and she got the most uh, fake blood sprayed on her. Uh-huh. She was freaking out so bad she literally passed out on set. And that's literally in the movie <laughs> because it really happens. So, yeah, that, that whole scene. I mean, everyone knew it was a false chest. But they, right. They didn't know why what? he had a false chest. Why he had a false chest. Yeah. Man, so, yeah. see, and, and I kind of wonder, like, you know, when uh, 
You know, nowadays you always hear about people when they, they get, like, the script or whatever and they get to read, like, what's happening. I kind of wonder, like, did he just kind of leave that part out? Or did, like, when, uh, for, like, John Hurts, when they kind of do the, uh, the because I, I imagine that they do um, script reads and, you know, kind of practice runs. And they just be like, oh, you'll just, uh, his character just passes out. And we don't talk about the scene. We will we'll, we'll ignore that part until it's time to film it. And it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to pass out. Trust me. Yeah, you're going to pass out. And I just want everyone to just act natural. Yeah. When you see this. Um, so, anything else you want to try? You want to bring up on as far as the first alien? That you was, could think of. Or? I mean, it was it was good. I mean, like like you said, I mean, you could definitely tell it. It felt like it was different from the rest of its brethren, um, and I think they're trying to tie some of that back in to make it seem normal with the new ones because there's still, like we said, four more coming out. Yeah, there's a prequel to the sequels that's coming out mm-hmm. next. Uh, definitely get to those, and then a whole other trilogy that's also prequels that happen before this alien movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, like you said about the name, how it's kind of generic. Um, the way they picked the name for the movie was uh, Dan O'Bannon actually realized how much they said the word alien in the film, in the script, and actually picked the name from that because the original name for the Alien franchise, which nobody would have ever saw it, and we wouldn't be talking about today, was Star Beast. Star Beast. Star Beast was the original. Wow! Yeah, that would have that would have guaranteed it be only seen on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, there'd be like it'd be like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where like a few thousand people get together. Right, exactly. And that would be the only people who've ever seen it. Um, Which, uh, which I don't know. Depending on depending on how you want to say. It went because there's some movies that are like, oh, but we wouldn't have got this and we wouldn't have got these, you know, kind of auxiliary, you know, ideas. But then at the same time, you look at some of the sequels we did get later, like, hmm, maybe it would have been good if it just died. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get to the ones that didn't care about too much, let's actually go to, I would probably say that a good... 70, maybe even 80% of the uh, people who like the Alien franchise may consider one of the best ones in the in the series. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's the worst. Uh, but the second one, just titled, they just added an S and called it Aliens, which is funny how simple it is, but then when you see the movie, you're like, oh, that actually made it more complicated in a lot of situations. Um, but so Aliens uh, comes to us on July 18th, uh, 1986. Directed this time, coming uh, to direct is James Cameron, uh, screenwriter, and who actually is uh, credited as a screenwriter and story, along with uh, David Giller and Walter Hill. So, um, brief kind of synopsis on Aliens. Uh, Ripley actually makes it out of the first one and goes into sleep while she gets home. 
Unfortunately, that trip takes way longer than expected. I believe it's, uh, what, 60 years? 60 or 70 years. Uh, she's later found. Of course, since she's in um, cryosleep, there's no change in her. But, um, of course, she finds out her daughter's already died of old age. Or... Yeah, I is... think that's right. I mean, well, she would have died of old age anyway. Anyway, uh, but anyway, um, she kind of gives a report about what she found, what happened to her crew. The company kind of doesn't believe her because they actually tell her, yeah, well, we've actually sent Colin, we actually sent people to that planet and they're doing fine. She, of course, freaks out about this and then later finds out, oh, we haven't heard from the colony in a while. Mm, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> which we don't find out about for. Yes. <laughs> so then she, with a group of Marines, actually end up going there. We um, are introduced, of course, to the Arisal Loving, was it uh, Bill Pullman, I believe? Yeah. So we just. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> But uh, jumping ahead a little bit where they actually get there and we don't run into just one, but a whole bunch of aliens this time. And Marines are pretty much taken out in hordes and Ripley has to attempt to kind of gather the remaining Marines that are alive and just try to make it out alive. And we're introduced to so many things in this. This is why... And this is why I think it's crazy because this movie introduces us to just a whole lot of things. So kind of like expanding on like the first movie has Ripley being kind of what you were saying before is that you have Ripley being the survivor of a horror film, which of course, like you said, it just unheard of with the exception of um, Halloween and, you know, um, which I which I can remember when that came out, but even then, uh, you can look that up while I'm uh, kind of going on. But anyway, um, but now instead of her just being a survivor, you've almost got her being this full blown hero, basically being a full blown hero. Um, and she's sided with these Marines, and you know when you first meet the Marines, you're thinking, okay, you know they should be able to at least handle themselves pretty well. But in the end, they just get taken out, like, quick and in a hurry. And it's so cool how they do it, where they're slowly descending into where they think everyone, like, when they when you first pop up. So, so many things are just iconic on this. You've got the power loader, which becomes not only just iconic within that film franchise, but you see that thing everywhere, like a bunch of different games and cartoons. Everybody uses it. Human augmentation, like uh, end, of, end of tomorrow. Yeah, you know, right. Um, Elysium. Uh, I'm thinking like even um, even cartoons like Exo Squad and um, Robo, even probably Robotech had a little bit on that, which you see. It. <laughs> they actually have exosuits for people to do repetitive jobs. There we go. So like, <laughs> um, so you got those power loaders. The whole idea of just space marines in general. I think that's like. Because I think that's probably one of the first ones where we actually bridged it. Because you had things like Star Trek, but they were explorers that had, and, to, fight. That had to fight. And then yeah. Star Wars, 
you really didn't see soldiers as much, even though this came out in 86. So the trilogy was pretty much done. You saw gorillas in, um, was it Return of the Jedi, but you really didn't, and you had the stormtroopers, but they were in their clean armor. These were actual, like, the same Marines that you would see that day, but now they're just in space. Yeah. And they have, like, these space weapons and space armor. And it's not, like, crazy armor, too. It's not like they're wearing, like, stormtroopers, you know, they're wearing these kind of crazy suits. You know, when you, if you kind of take a step back, they are wearing these kind of clean, crazy suits. Whereas in Aliens, they're wearing suits that you were like, yeah, that looks like something that if, you know, today's Marines and they had to go in space, because they're just wearing, like, regular helmets, their regular gear, but, like, the... Machine guns a little bit better, so you've got that. Um, you've got the iconic aliens now. You know now you don't just have one that you see in the shadows. You have like hundreds that are crawling through air ducts and the walls, or under, or in the water. You know, just coming out of who knows where, coming out of everywhere. And that was like one of the cool scenes where um, they're. They find somebody who they think is a survivor, but Ripley knows exactly what's going on, and they see the thing burst out of her chest. And right when they set it on fire, you start seeing all the walls start moving and crawling and stuff, and they just get taken out. And you got the iconic, um, what is it, sensor with the beeping sounds. Um, so much, like I said, is just iconic about the whole movie. It's it, it's not a wonder, but it's also kind of a wonder of like how far reaching that it that it really hit. Like I said, there were like lots of different TV shows, comics, cartoons, um, not just of the material, but using that material, using those concepts in a lot of places. Um, so like I said, um, so eighty six. What were your thoughts when you first like saw it and things that you kind of? I mean, it was it was groundbreaking in a lot of ways and I think Cameron has he's got a talent with creating all the little detail stuff that you wouldn't think about like he's probably one of the greatest directors when it comes to science fiction because he thinks of things in such a more you know he took what Ridley Scott did and he says okay what would this world really be like if I was standing on it and thousands, millions of them, prodigiously, you know, of course, there's nothing else on the planet but them, they breathe like humans breathe, um, and, and just the way he told the story, and then taking, like, which, you know, we saw this also in Terminator, but taking the Marines, the soldiers, and making them not something, like, special, like you said, with the Stormtroopers, where that was kind of their, that was their uniform, it wasn't really armor as much as it was. This was like their their standard uniform that they wore with, whereas with, you know, uh, Cameron, he saw them and it's like, they're going to be out in space. They're not going to have any erroneous gear. They're not going to have anything stupid. They're going to have what the Army issues them or the Marines issue them, and it's going to be the cheapest, uh, most low-end stuff they could possibly get. So it's not going to be fancy. It's not going to be shiny white. It's going to be you know, real life, this nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys have seen battles. They're 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 no strangers to it. They've been in the corps for a while, so 
they're gonna their armor is gonna look like this, their gear is gonna look like this, their machine guns, and so yeah, it really took um, like the idea of a war movie and brought it into the Alien franchise and adapted it, and then he did. I think he did it so brilliantly, and I was just like, you know, just totally blown away by what I saw because it was just it was what I expected it to be. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I went in like, oh, he could have done this different. I, you know, I remember when I was watching, I was like, yeah, this is, this is perfect. You know, this battle, all these things going on, how they're, they're totally ill-prepared for fighting these things because they have no idea what they're up against. But the Marines, and Marines go into battle and they don't question, they just go and do. And, you know, and uh, I think, I think it was really, really cool. And like, like you uh, as well, you know, I definitely, I like the first one. I respect the first one, but the second one's really you know, my favorite. And and kind of going back to what you said, that you're absolutely right. Kind of like what he, what Cameron did from Terminator, Terminator Two, expanding on it. He does this with Aliens, where also you got even after they manage to escape with the few survivors they can, and they make. I think we were talking about this before we started, how like a lot of people in sci-fi, they make the wrong decisions right. and get worse. They make the right decisions. They hold up in an area that they can fortify. They set up drones and everything else, and they think they're good, but then, they re- but then the sensors are telling them, no, the aliens are getting past all the guns. They're getting past the sensors because they forgot about the... Uh, they forgot about the vents and the uh, ceilings, right. and then you and then you get that iconic scene where, you know, they're like they're saying like they're only like four meters away, like that's in the room, and they look up in the ceiling, and one of them actually looks up, and then you just see tens like coming, just crawling through the walls, slowly crawling through the walls, and then just shows that it all hell breaks loose, and then and then also to top it off. You get the introduction of the queen, and it's just a cool reveal where Ripley is trying to save um, Newt, and as she's going, she realizes she's in, she's kind of going to the eggs, and it's such an amazing, when you look back on it, it's kind of a cool reveal where you see the egg being laid. And Ridley's kind of putting it together, and then you just slowly track, you know, the um, apparatus until until the queen finally shows up. And again, that's like one of those expanded things where, like, you wouldn't have thought that there was like, even though there were the cocoons in the first one, you know, there was nothing. And I try to remember, there's really nothing hinted to that. There was a queen somewhere. Yeah, on yeah, there or people watching the movie at that time would, if you could go back in time and get a response from people, I don't think people would even realize that or thought yeah. about it. Like, or, well, there's all these egg cocoon things here. Yeah, uh, where did you know, like, where did which it, came first? Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, which came first. And it, and it may have been one of those things where, like, one of the eggs probably had a queen that eventually came out of one of the colonists. But still, yeah, that, that was something that, you know, you, a normal person wouldn't have made that conclusion or would have taken the story to that direction. And Cameron does, and it makes it spectacular at that point. And then it gets into 
even crazier where um, after Ripley kiss, uh, destroys all the eggs, it decides to just go after uh, Ripley, even following it to the uh, main ship where it's still attacking and you get that, you know, iconic line where you get Ripley in the power loader versus uh, the queen, you know, that intense fight. Even though, like, in the end, it's funny because it ends the same way as Aliens, uh, shooting it through the um, air duct, basically. Uh, but luckily, she, luckily, this one is so big, she's easy, it's easier to just throw this one out than the last one. Um, but yeah, Aliens is a spectacular movie, and it's funny, and I, I guess I'll talk about this now um, before we get into the other ones. It's funny how all the, the, these all these movies, Terminator, Alien, and Predator, you have this iconic first one that kind of became this cult. Usually, like, after it came out, it becomes a bigger hit when it came out. This, With the exception of Predator. Predator, I think, kept on its kind of fan base from, from the first one. You got the second movie, which elevated the first movie. Um, in cases of Aliens and Terminator, um, pretty much elevated to cult status. Predator, for the most part, I think did too. I think the whole urban, um, despite you know how people felt about the movie, I think having it in an urban setting in the city kind of you know elevated. But then for whatever reason, after that point... All these movies go down, kind of go downhill from there. And I started thinking about it. That almost happens in every series. There's like, in, in any series you can think of that, oh, this doesn't happen, is a weird exception and had to go through weird changes before it got better. But it's almost like all these different, all these different movies you can think of, all these different, um, anything that's a series now. Not, I'm not counting trilogies, and I'm not talking about. Um, book series like Harry Potter, Hunger Games, but it seems like all these movies they always do good with the first two movies, but then when it comes to three and ongoing, they almost always go downhill for some reason. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of times is you know they're at that point they're like, okay, we've got this world, what can we do next? Versus trying to create something new, they're like, okay. How can we keep going with what we have instead of like like the jump between Alien and, and, and Aliens? Iconic movie based off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre horror movie going to war drama, you know, still in the same world, but totally different idea from what the first one was. You know, respecting everything that the first one did, but moving off in a totally new direction, whereas the third, fourth, fifth, and, you know, you know, it's just like, okay, well, we need to keep going because we're making money. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's like, like, after that point, for whatever reason, it's like, we just want to make money, so we're not really going to, you know, do anything new, or we're not going to push the envelope anywhere, we're just trying to make money, and, and also, there's, like, just no direction. They just go in these weird tangents. Sometimes they're forgetting 
what happened in the last one, or they're kind of like trying to erase what happens in previous movies, especially in uh, Terminator. Every sequel kind of ignores what happened in the last movie. Um, well, no, I, the upcoming one still ignores everything from like they all want to remember the first two. Like all these different series, every time sequels comes out, they always want to forget the sequel. But just go back to the first one or the first two. And Dark Fate does that, where it's going back to the first two. It's treating as all the other ones don't exist. True, true. But that's actually on purpose. Right. Because Cameron directed the first two. He's like, no, none of the rest of these count. (laughs) I did not make them, so... I'll give, I'll give Cameron a pass. I did just say he was possibly one of the greatest sci-fi. <laughs> Which kind of makes me wish that in, 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 in I, I want to say um, 80s Cameron, because I don't know, 2000 Cameron, um, I don't think he's maybe as hungry as he was back then. He's willing to push the envelope like, like he did. <laughs> hey, Terminator and uh, Terminator 2 and Aliens 2 were before Titanic, so or before oh, Avatar, that's what I'm saying. Avatar, right? Yeah, yeah, Titanic and Avatar. He's making like crazy money, so not as hungry as he used to be. It, it makes me wonder, like, what would have happened if Cameron had gotten a hold of Predator? Oh yeah, and like what we could have gotten in a Predator Three with Cameron, but um, yeah, because he, I mean, he knew how to direct Arnold. He, I mean. He, knew how to, to work with them. He could have been great if they would have brought in you know, and had, I mean, if even if he did the first Predator movie, mm-hmm. you know, would have been great because, you know, he he sees things. Like, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was trying to cast for uh, uh, Kyle Reese. He went to, yeah. you know, he wanted to be Kyle Reese. He didn't want to be the Terminator. Yeah, but too bad uh, he uh, <laughs> he used his uh, his standby from Alien, or actually no, was was Terminator? I'm trying to remember. Terminator was that before Aliens? Because that still has uh, was it Michael Bean? Right. Uh, yeah, I think Terminator was after Aliens. As a uh, so he just got um, Hicks back. <laughs> 84. But, so Terminator was before. So yeah, so he just yeah. so he just brought Kyle uh back for aliens. He's like, oh no, I'll let you live with this one. Yeah, <laughs> but you'll still get kind of hurt. Yeah, you're you're gonna get hurt, but it's gonna be by an alien, not a, not a giant machine. But um, but like I said, though, aliens, and I think for the most part, um, aliens still holds up for a lot of things. Like just graphically, there's maybe like maybe one or two scenes, like uh, when the um when their plane crashes. Uh, that's kind of dated, but then again, it does look like he, it, it must have been the same company as um, Terminator, because it kind of looks like when the Terminator ships in the future crash, it's like that same uh, filter and models in a sense, but for the most part, I think Alien still holds up, and it's probably the most influential out of all of them, and um and it come down to 86, there's no coincidence that with um, Predator 2 coming out a few years later, it would have the alien skull um, on uh, in the trophy case. Right. Which I think was a 
great Easter egg at the time. Um, one of those, like, probably one of the most, like, rewound items which it came to VHS. And it would pause, like, is, is that what I think it is? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, kids nowadays have no idea what we had to go through. Oh, no, yeah. To, to find out, you know. Now you just click, you know, on your remote and it jumps back 15 seconds at a time before we were just sitting there like, why is this damn remote not working? Or we, or we saw it in the movies, you know, there wasn't some website that has, yeah. like, a screenshot of the movie, like, of the scene, whatever, yeah. like, this long, like, article saying, you know, all the Easter eggs. You had to, like, say, did you see Predator 2 yet? Did you see the scene at the end? They, Did they, you see this? Fred whips out a Polaroid that he took of the television screen. And you can hardly tell what it is. No, like, no, just saying, like, before, before it even comes out on TV, you had, like, guesstimate because, you know, it was only in the theaters. Oh, there was yeah, nothing, yeah. you know, before it even came out on the TV. So you had to, like, you know, oh, I had to go see it again or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that, and, uh, yeah, it's good, obviously, to take a picture in the theaters. Yeah. But, yeah, you have your friend that rented it, man.
be approving of that much violence and um, the, that type, those types of ideas, you know, were yeah. still too new to us. So I think in a lot of ways they, they succeeded a lot because of the fact that it was the right time for them to come out. It was the right period. Yeah, and I think it was a little bit too hard to try to, to have it combined into one, too, like you're saying. Like, yeah, we had action films, but they were action terrestrial films. We had horror films. They were all like, they were usually uh, supernatural. They weren't really science fiction films. And like, in, in the sci-fi films were more exploratory and things like that. And like, kind of like the nature of it, or, you know, kind of the mysteries of it. So, to, like you said, yeah, you're right. The, the, that, that combination uh, really starts with um, Alien and is just kind of reinforced and made better with movies like Aliens and Predator and Terminator and things like that that came yeah. out. So again, Aliens is this kind of um, uh, I don't want to say blueprint, but at the very least it is a foundation. Yeah, of, yeah exactly. That's it's probably better catalyst of this change that happens. Um, fortunately, uh, not every change is, um, is is for the better. And as we go into May 22nd of 1992, we get Alien 3. So, yeah, we had to get to it, but uh, <laughs> that's not going to be the only grove. So, uh, shout out to this one. So, we got uh, Alien 3, directed by David Fincher. Uh, screenwriters, we have returning David uh, Geller and Walter Hill uh, with um, Larry Brinson, and then story by Vincent Ward. So, uh, reason I've seen this one. So we got, so we had the aftermath of Alien. You had Ripley, Newt, and Hicks, and a partially uh, destroyed Bishop who had survived. Unfortunately, they weren't the only ones who survived because it turns out there was an alien. There was a few stowaways on board. Um, they mess up the ship and um, they all get sent to a prison planet where Ripley, unfortunately, is the only survivor of that crash. Uh, so we're pretty much resetting back to aliens. And uh, unfortunately, taking both Newt and Hicks, which was kind of upsetting to have them die so early after surviving. And I can't think of too many movies, and I'm, I'm sure there were movies like this, but I, but the element, it was upsetting to have your survivors from a previous movie be taken out almost off screen in the begin and in the very beginning of the third one. I mean, it'd probably be different if, you know, they survived and at some later time they either sacrificed themselves or, you know, they died in the course of the next movie. But, I don't know, it's it's, it's a weird... The only word I can think of is kind of depressing thing that to have your characters die so quickly. It's kind of like... It's kind of like, what was the point then? You know, in, why in a sense. Right, why are you bringing them back? But anyway... So they crash land on this prison planet, but unfortunately, an alien also crash lands as well. 
Um, Ripley tries to gather the prisoners to try to fend off the alien as they wait for um, rescue by the company. But it turns out that Ripley has a queen inside of her. So she has to kind of make the decision uh, whether to try to wait for the company so they can harvest and eventually use the queen or sacrifice herself. And kind of going into kind of jumping a little bit in the resurrection, it goes back to that, well, you just invalidated the last movie because when we get the resurrection, it invalidates this movie as much as this movie invalidated Aliens, which seems to be a recurrent joke. Actually, that is a recurrent joke in the Alien franchise because every movie invalidates either the sacrifice or survival of the previous movie. With the exception of only uh, the first two aliens. They actually reward, like, you know, yes, Ripley, you do have to go back to this thing, but you actually end up becoming stronger out of it. But anyway, um, Alien 3, uh, kind of like what I said earlier, is that I remember, I think I remember going to theaters, but the very least, I remember seeing this when it came out on um, home release. I, I remember seeing, at least this one I remember seeing new. The other two, the previous two, I know I saw them after the fact. They weren't in theaters or anything. It was like after I heard about the series. But Aliens 3, I remember seeing that brand new because I was anticipating this new movie. Um, I remember... Because, um, you know, you had Ripley back, but then she's got the, what they were doing with every, nine, what seems to be doing with every 90s uh, female character is that um, if they're going to be an action hero, we need to cut their hair off for whatever reason. Because um, I guess you can't have an action heroine with long hair. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> At least. It was an unwritten law. Right, must, I guess. Like, Short um, haircut or no hair. Or right, or no hair, exactly. All, all women have to look like that. Because that's the only way you're going to be taken seriously, apparently. Yeah, you can't have long hair. But I don't know, when I saw this, and other than, like, the... I think one of the things that I think that I just... That doesn't kind of hold up over time is the alien CG. Because in this one, of course, instead of happening a person... It actually gets latched onto a dog, and of course, it's um, a little bit more um, bipedal. It runs around on all fours, but just the design—it's very—it's—it's it's very CG. It's like no longer like at least in the previous Alien movies, you had people in suits, so you had practical effects for it. But there was just too many times in this one where it was just like you can tell it's just CG, especially when it's crawling on the walls or right. even when it's just running normally. Well, and that was the birth of real, you know, leaps and bounds in computer graphics. So everybody, it was the new things that everybody wanted to do it. I mean, I think everybody lost their minds when they saw T2. Yeah. And they saw the T-1000 walk through the bar. They saw the T-1000 come up from the floor. And it was actually the floor materializes to be T-1000. That's just like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I've got to do that. Because, I mean, up until, you know, like, 
CG was still fairly new. The first computer-generated scene in a movie, period, was in Westworld in 1978. I remember that, yeah. So, and it, it was so terrible. Uh, but but it was the first, so in the mm-hmm. 90s, we finally started having that technology. Hey, Star Wars getting ready to come out on the scene. Uh, matter of fact, they were actually already doing, um, you know, ILM was doing amazing things. Uh, you know, so there was all these people that were like, oh, we can do things with movies that we could never do before. Right. And so when you see those, those scenes, you're like, oh, that's what we used to have. said about the other, if it would come out now, it would be on the sci-fi channel, because the CG just... Yeah, it is terrible. Um, I don't know, and there was just, like, a lot of different scenes in that movie, I mean, it was, I mean, it was kind of a cool concept to have, um, you know, the queen inside of Ripley, it's kind of, and I will say that that is a, that's not a bad art for her, that... You know, in the end, like, she's even willing to, just so that uh, this company that, and, and we kind of didn't talk about it in the last two movies, that this company keeps trying to get this um, entity. Um, the company, of course, being, um, was it, uh, Whalen Yutani. And in the first movie, of course, in the first Alien movie, they, it, their ship is automatically redirected, I believe. The minute they get the signal for it, um, so already the company's wanted alien technology. Um, in the second one, not only have they sent people, but then um, was it Paul Reiser? I believe his character is this company stooge who willingly tries to get a um, alien inside of Ripley and Newt just so that he can get one back to the company. Um, so, you know, this is kind of like this, you know, ever persistent um, build. This is like kind of like the real villain of the series is this company that keeps trying to get their hands on this alien creature that, you know, Ripley knows firsthand is not going to, it's not going to play well. It's not going to be tamed. It's not going to be, you know, this kind of like uh, pet tiger or pet, you know, puppy that they can, you know, train and use and stuff like that. So, um, you know, her sacrifice itself in the end, I don't know how most people feel about it, but I thought that was kind of fitting. And at least that portion of it, you know, does, you know, but they do a nice little callback where at the very end as they, uh, close the prison and take like the what I think like one survivor <laughs> that that manages to survive the whole thing is like pretty much the entire colony is destroyed one way or the other through either the alien or explosions or what have you. But it's nice um, sign off when they go back to the pod and it's like Ripley's call and like she signs off. So, like, that, I'll, I'll give it that, you know, it did a good job there, but, you know, this kind of is the, um, and unfortunately we just, you know, no one, no one saw it coming at the time, but, you know, this was like the, the um, slow downgrade or downhill progression of the Alien franchise. Um, you know, overall, like, um, Alien 3, what did you think of it when you first 
Like, do you remember if you ever saw it in theaters, or did you see it kind of after the fact? Or after the fact, I did not see it in theaters because um, it was a long drive to a movie theater still at that point for me. Mm-hmm. So you know, because I lived way out in the country, like I said. So when I watched movies, usually we went to a theater. I had to go with my parents because it was like you know, it was a trip. You know, it was forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah. And, um, so. It was one of those special things, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember watching it, and, and you know, I was excited because it was another alien movie. Um, but yeah, there was some stuff where I was just like, "Where, where is it going?" You know, it was right? Kind of, it was kind of like, okay, they just happen to end up in this prison world. They, you know, um, they're killing off Ripley, which of course we didn't know at the time. She actually wanted, that was one of her contract stipulations. She wanted to die in the movie. Oh, okay. She actually wanted to die in the first one. And they were like, no. <laughs> then she wanted to die in the second one. They were like, no. Wanted to die in the third one. They're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but, she, had, she had three contract stipulations. One, she didn't want to use guns at all. Which I remember hearing was, about, I remember hearing that, that was she, a big thing. She wanted to die. And she wanted to have a, she wanted to make love to the alien. Three no, <laughs> that could not be one of the contracts. <laughs> no, not, well, she didn't know what they looked like when she did when she went to the park because this was pre. Ah, uh, but yeah, she wanted to, she wanted to have a love scene with with the alien when she was initially going in for casting and contract negotiation. And I'm sure there's fan art of that somewhere. <laughs> so probably, but yeah, so so yeah, so they eventually let her die. But yeah, I felt like it it wasn't as good. as the first two, and I was like, yeah, you know, everybody hits a slump, and Cameron's not doing it, so. Right. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't have, you don't have Cameron, you don't have um, uh, uh, Ridley Scott coming yeah, back Ridley for Scott. it. Um, yeah, the whole crew, you, you've got a couple of the writers left, and that's it. <laughs> right, and you don't even have, like, the screenwriters, you just have, like, two people who work with Cameron on the story, yeah, because Cameron... At least did like when he was directing, he did both the story and he was a screenwriter. Yeah. So you had like two other people, kind of like who I guess like in a sense they shadowed uh, Cameron because I'm sure he had like being the director and the screenwriter, he probably had um, a lot to kind of like you know kind of um, control sort of the story. So they probably just did like little you know. Yeah, they're like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got coffee for him. <laughs> right, exactly. So I, I count I count as being part of the story. Or it's like, yeah, he would not have been able to finish writing that page if not for me. Or like, I told him that the guns they used had 14 rounds, not 12 rounds. So yeah. and that was my story contribution. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we needed to kill X number of aliens in this scene, and with a 12-round gun, couldn't do it. Okay, mathematically, it doesn't work. <laughs> I saved I saved the scene. No one knows but me and my mom. But yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, not much to say really on Alien Three. So um, let's actually jump to, and this makes a really big jump to Alien Resurrection, which actually came out November twenty sixth of nineteen ninety seven. Now this one was directed by John Pierre. Renette, I'm saying that wrong, 
and screenwriter and story was Joss Whedon. So, of course, uh, Joss Whedon, um, coming off of both, uh, was it Firefly, Buffy, Angel uh, fame here? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess they were, yeah, Buffy was pretty Yeah, bad. Buffy was, you know, that was, yeah, Buffy was like uh, 90s uh, or mid-90s, uh, so it was Angel, and, um, you know, Firefly was back in the, that was 90s Fox. Um, so, you got Alien Resurrection, and this goes back to what I was talking about, how they invalidate the, in, in this case, they invalidate the sacrifice from Ripley, who we see, you know, holding the alien, jumping into a furnace. Now, when when this was announced, I think even before that, during an alien, kind of going back to Alien 3, when she falls into the furnace, you do see it turn off. Now, there were maybe a handful of people who said, oh, maybe they turned it off to save her, get her back, or whatever. Most people kind of think, no, it's just the, it was just that kind of thing saying they were closing down, because it was part of that sequence in the end of the movie where they're shutting down that place, because there's no point. They were closing everything up. Yeah. So, Alien Resurrection comes, and you see in the trailers that somehow she's back. Okay, so Alien Resurrection, I believe, now, this is our biggest jump. It takes place in, I think, it was it 200 years? 300 years in the future? No, 200 years. About 200 years in the future. And somehow, some way, they got her DNA that they cloned Ripley. And not only cloned Ripley, but also cloned the queen that was inside of her. Um, so eventually this new company, and I forgot what they're called now, they're, it's not the same Wheel and Utani, it's some new, it's like whatever, like, descend, uh, descendant of it. Huh? <laughs> it might be, I can't remember, shoot, it might be Tyrell, they have that, uh, Blade Runner just, uh, kind of spit off there. Well, you know, when, when he's going through the, in the new Blade Runner, when he's going through, you know, the company they have the, the the pods where there's the people and they look like the what they call them in the, in the founders or whatever the, uh, the uh, engineers the engineers yeah they look like the engineers oh wow if you think about it <laughs> so, maybe, so it might have been so so Blade Runner is the alien future maybe <laughs> yeah or it's the Earth the, the company. Yeah, I from, but anyway, so uh, they managed to clone Ripley, they get the queen out, they're going to start getting alien um, eggs or whatever, but Ripley is now, had bonded with the alien, and as a, um, as a one uh, YouTube channel that I, that I watch, and they usually use this phrase every so often, I think it's funny, a piece of herb, uh, Bonded to it, or a piece of it bonded to her. <laughs> but um, anyway, now she's um, you're now she's become the typical '90s action hero, able to uh, leap small, small buildings, single bound, is extremely uh, strong, agile, and doesn't have much dialogue. 
much like typical '90s action heroes now. Right, and that's pretty much the equivalent of what she says throughout the whole thing. Uh, but you also have um, include this kind of band of pirates um, introducing uh, Ron Perlman into the group. This random as that is. Uh, but you've got this kind of band of pirates that have joined us, and they get and you know typical thing. This company thinks they can control aliens. Doesn't work out, and a usual kind of skirmish happens. Um, and of course, the big thing, of course, is that now the queen can actually give birth to this alien-human hybrid. So. I guess Sigourney Weaver got her wish of um, having sex with an alien, and this was the product? Yeah, the love child of Sigourney Weaver and an alien. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which has one of the most horrific deaths, I think, ever, because it's slowly being pulled out of a small hole. <laughs> Yeah. I, I would, I would say that's gotta be one of the, the worst. Yeah. Because it's like, because it's because it's not a it's not a typical alien, so it's not just screaming. It's half human, so it's it's almost screaming. I remember that being like, just okay. This is horrifying. Even though this thing, this creature, is you know mindless, whatever, because it tries to kill, because it because it because when it's birthed, it kills the queen. Almost kills Ripley, kills, uh, was it, um, uh, the new robot by Winona Ryder now, who you find out later is an android. Which I admit, they kind of, they played that fairly well. You know, that kind of reveal. Um, but, you know, but I... It wasn't as obvious as Michael Fassbender's character in no, and but at the same time, definitely it, an alien. Oh, yeah, right? Definitely yeah, android. And of course, it wasn't like um, uh, was it uh, Bishop? Of course, yeah, when you find out like, um, but actually, no, Bishop actually is funny. Going back to the second aliens, it plays pretty well until he cuts himself because you think because the way he plays, the way they play it, he's just very quiet and kind of reserved, and it isn't until. He actually cuts himself, and then Ripley realizes what it is. But then everyone else is kind of cool with it. Yeah. Um, that she sees, like, okay, well, this is what, you know, he's an android. Um, so Alien Resurrection, kind of like, it's late 90s, so we're getting to that point where now, like, a lot of these, I think late 90s was one of the big um, renaissance where we saw a lot of older franchises trying to come back um i think was it 97 was that maybe around the time where you had things like um is it charlie's angels um starsky and hutch yeah, um, uh certain like tv shows are trying to come like i'm thinking of like uh so going back to that kind of era knight rider yeah knight rider was it was like it was early 2000s it was like yeah, so so this was the time where they're they're really kind of you know they're trying to grasp at something, anything that's that could make them extra money. Um, Just reading, of course, coming out of 
his kind of sci-fi world, trying to bring his um, flavor into this new series. You know, but it just, like I said, the whole fact about them cloning her just invalidates what happens in 3. The whole point of 3 is that, you know, she kind of sacrificed herself so that this doesn't happen. And, you know, they get by by saying, oh, it's 200 years later, but still, you know, it's kind of messed up that this is, you know, how you want to go. And you can't tell me that they couldn't have gone back to, you know, found out where it came from. Because even in Aliens, in the second one, of course, the uh, power plant is, or the uh, colony is supposed to be destroyed because, like, the reactor. But still, it was a crashed ship. So, you know, they could have done something where they go to some other planet and find it or, you know, take it up somewhere else. But whatever reason, they brought her back. So it's weird that they bring her back after you're saying that parts of her contract is that they kill her. Yeah, that's what she wanted, yeah. And when they find it right after they do it, in the next movie, they just bring her back. Now, mind you, I don't think she uses a gun, so they still kept that. Well, she had, like, the flamethrower. That's probably the closest thing. I mean, not in the yeah. movies, but... Yeah, yeah but I was just saying, like, in the... Because by the... By this movie, it's kind of known about her... Um... Her, uh, her, her want to, like, not have guns, or to be, like, you know, to not use guns, basically. Right, yeah. And, um, and I said, in this movie, she doesn't use it except for, like I said, the flamethrower, and then that one scene, I think, where she shoots through a guy. But then, but that's even done kind of off-screen. Like, it's yeah, done right. underneath, so you don't see her. She's the one firing it. Right. Yeah, it could have been anybody. Yeah. It could have been like we, like we were talking about with the, with the Titans. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, what we were talking about earlier with Titans is that there's a scene where uh, somebody is shot, and they're all looking at the guy who got shot, and none of them are looking around for the person who actually did the shooting. With, and that person is actually just right down the street with an eye view. So, yeah. So, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, she's she's right there. But she, you know she shot the gun, but I guess because she didn't do it on screen. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, I know, because this is 97, so I, I was definitely old enough to see this in theaters. I know I saw this one in theaters. Um, my mistake, of course. Uh, you, you had this great building block of build up for it and you know the 80s and 90s was that those times of real excess on everything you know so the the idea the, the advertising the toys the, the promotion everything was like okay yeah I need to go see this 3 was it was okay it was passable yeah. uh, 4 is going to be better they're going to fix yeah. all the problems they had. and they did from the previews and from most movies it did look like they improved the graphics for the most part, like the aliens looked, <clears throat> this looked like they were going back to um, the second one, the second aliens. And instead of a group of Marines, you've got a group of mercenaries, basically. So um, it really, it made me think that they were really trying to go back to 
the second aliens for inspiration. But, you know, for the most part, and also putting Ripley in the more action role is reminiscent of Aliens, of the second Aliens. So it really did seem like they were trying to replicate the second Aliens. But, I don't know, for the most part, for me, I think I enjoyed it at the time, but going back on it, it just doesn't hold up the same way as um, the first two do. Or what about you? Like, when did you first, um, do you remember when you first saw it, and what did you think of it? I saw it in theaters. Um, I remember being, um, you know, kind of surprised that they brought Ripley back, you know, when I was watching, uh, you know, when I was watching it, because um, I didn't have any trailers to fall back on, because I was still pretty early, you know, in the, in the internet days, too, so watching a movie trailer, the trailer, I remember downloading the movie trailer for The Phantom Menace, which came out that same year, and it took me 24 hours to download the movie trailer from Apple, uh, QuickTime, because it was 150 megabytes or whatever, and I had a 36 kilobyte modem, so, um, so yeah, it was not something you did lightly, and, uh, but I remember watching it, I remember wondering how she came back, and then thinking it was kind of cheap, but at the same time, you know, looking back now, I feel like they were sitting there thinking, like, we don't have Sigourney Weaver. She's the linchpin of this franchise. This movie's going to fail miserably. So how can we bring her back into the film after we just killed her? And finally satisfied the third um, uh, part of our contract where she said she wanted to die, Make a movie without her in it. How, how do we have this world that we created without her in it? Because she's kind of the, the glue. She's the only survivor of all of these horrific events. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like Jamie Lee Curtis in the 18,000 Halloween movies. You know, how can you have a Halloween movie without Jamie Lee Curtis? I think they're, I think we're literally, by the time they get done making the movies, we will have actually perfected cloning and there will actually be a cloned Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> making those horrible films because um, they've just gotten so ridiculous. And I never saw the latest one where uh, they do have her back. But again, in this latest one, they ignore all the other movies. So again, it's one of those things where I was talking about it, like all these different series that don't have a plan, they just ignore all other movies except for maybe the first and second yeah, of the, the series. Part, the parts that they want to keep, they keep, and they cut everything else out. And they know because it is what it is, People, the people that are going to go watch it won't. They'll gripe and complain about it, but they'll accept it because they're so desperate for another one that they'll do whatever it takes and they'll put up with it. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, you know, look at all the people who complain about all the new Star Wars movies. Yet they still make a billion dollars every time one comes out. They do <laughs> because yeah. people are so desperate for Star Wars movies, they're gonna go watch them. Except no for except for Solo, that was yeah, the only one that, that did. It, it just didn't didn't quite. But I think, and a lot of people, it, kind of a sidetrack. I know a lot of people want to say, "Oh, it's because it was boycott, whatever." You look back. The problem with Solo is that they put it behind some incredible heavy hitters. Like, yeah. 
Solo came out like either right between or right after both um, Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool 2. Yeah. Like, that was not... Yeah, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, both of those movies were still in theaters and still selling out when Solo came out. Yes. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even like it had some breathing. And And I think there was also like a couple of other kind of um, random, just regular movies too. That did well, despite. did well, and like yeah. that were that were yeah, still we around at that time. Yeah. So you had you had too many things stacking up to try to fight. So I mean, that solo was trying to fight through just to make it out. Plus, you know, hey, love it or hate it, a lot of people had their issues with you know uh, the Last Jedi. So that. And, you know, a lot of people like myself were like, uh, do we really want Solo? Do we want somebody else? Like, you know, do we do we want an adventure of somebody that we've already seen die two movies ago, you know, rather than the adventure of somebody current? Yeah. And that was my big thing on Solo. It was like, I would have rather it be, you know, as random as it would sound, I would have rather it been like, Dameron, and you find the adventures of Poe Dameron or somebody. You know, it should have been somebody, in my opinion is, it should have been somebody current that we can continue adventures with. Not somebody that we already know the end game. their end-game yeah. Yeah, the end story. But, anyway. Well, I, um, think, I think they should have also focused more on the Han and Chewie aspect and not this crime. Because I felt like they, they just drafted Chewbacca in because they had to put him there. And it's like, there are tons of books that talk about how Han and Chewie met, even if they're not canon anymore. They could have at least said, hey, a lot of people care about these two characters, and they don't give a damn about anyone else on screen at all that's going on. So make it more about them and not just some... Like a story about their dynamic. Or or stories that are personal to them. Not just like... They met. Yeah, and kind of a sidetrack that that that's also what that that was always always my problem with the Batman Superman Batman v Superman that they try to introduce yeah. is that sure you have a lot of people that will instinctively say yeah I want to see them fight but the only yeah. reason it right the only reason that that matters them fighting is because of the history they have together. Uh, the fact that they're good friends or best friends, and then this crazy situation happens that they have to fight. When you just do it in the beginning, it doesn't work, and it, you have to shoehorn in a lot of different crap. And I feel like Solo is that way. It's like you you tried to you tried to ignore. You didn't want to do a story on Han and Chewie. You want to just get to some random, like, side adventure that ultimately went nowhere because you're not gonna, you're not gonna do a sequel on that, so that was pointless. You should have just focused on your two characters. But, and as we talk about all these different things, you can see how much we just didn't care about Alien Resurrection. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so, yeah, I think, I think Alien Resurrection was was it, it ended up being more just throwaway. It just like it it 
Is it for me and validated uh, three for you? I said it just it just became this kind of uh, atypical action movie of the of that era of the late nineties. Um, other than using the xenomorphs, it just didn't uh, do anything new with it. The one thing new they did with it was really just out of was so out of left field. It was kind of I don't know uncomfortable. Like, what did you think of the whole hybrid alien human? It was. I mean, it just seemed like they were like trying to figure out. Uh, the same with what I was saying about Sigourney Weaver. It seemed like they were just trying to figure out where can we go next? We need to keep making movies because we're going to keep making money if we keep making these films because people will watch them. So it was like, uh, I think they were just scribbling around over a pizza and a couple beers and like, oh yeah, let's do this. And they're like, yeah, cool, man. I don't know. Maybe they're smoking a couple joints. I don't know. Yeah, but, well, it was know, late 90s, so yeah, you probably weren't far off yeah, with that one. Coming off the 80s, so yes. uh, so yeah, so I, I honestly think they're just in there scribbling shit down. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, let's do that. You know, I don't think that I mean, Whedon is a great, great director, great writer, but he doesn't have that depth of vision that Cameron has. And I think you know, he's he, like shiny object, he's just like, oh, squirrel, mm. you know, and, uh, which I was just actually distracted by that squirrel <laughs> <laughs> right across your fence. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think and this was still early days for Wayne because I mean he was uh, ninety six, ninety seven. He was just starting up Buffy actually. Oh, okay. So yeah, so, so yeah, so he was. I think he was in like a line was in a million different directions, and I think that a lot of the movies suffered. Not, I mean, he wasn't the culprit because three was bad too, but mm-hmm. I think he definitely didn't push it in a new direction other than just saying, well, yeah, well, if we do this, this will open up room for a sequel. Right. And then we can find out a way to watch write Sigourney Weaver out of it entirely so we can continue making these movies and don't have to keep figuring out ways to bring her back. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just felt like, like you said, like a throwaway. It was just a, oh, another alien movie? Okay. All right, let's go watch something else. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I guess we can like kind of move on from that one now. I want to skip the Alien versus Predator movies because both those because um, it's funny because from '97 we don't get Alien, we don't get um, Alien versus Predator comes out in um, August of uh, twenty of two thousand and four, and then Alien versus Predator Requiem comes out in all things Christmas of 2007. Um, so quite a long time for the aliens, but I don't count them in the alien franchise because they take place in the modern day. And by alien resurrection, we're already like, right. We're almost 300 years into a future where, even Alien takes place in a farther future. Alien takes place where we're already doing space travel and space yeah, mining. We can actually get out there to those planets. R- right. Beyond our solar system, which even in the next four or five hundred years, most people don't think will be outside of our solar system yet. So we're talking potentially a thousand years from now. Yeah. 
And that kind of goes back to what I said earlier, is that, like, Alien franchise is the most sci-fi of all the other ones. Because Predator, yes, has a um, alien being, but he comes to modern-day Earth every time. They always show him in, you know, 1980s, 90s, the newer ones in the 2000s. So it's still the modern, you know, it's just this alien creature from the modern Earth. Um, Terminator... Yes, goes into the future, but only goes into the future by, at least at this point, only the future by, what, 10, 20 years now? Since we're in 2019 now, so it's not too far. Yeah, judgment things already happened. And a lot of things in Terminator are here. Like, we have companies that are making robots that are teaching them how to shoot. We have AIs in our, you know, our systems. Technically, Genesis goes by either Siri or Google Assistant, depending on which one you have. So, you know, it's like Terminator is one of those things where, like, it, it was kind of futuristic a little bit, but, you know, it later became more reality. But Aliens, at least the major Alien series, is very sci-fi, in which it takes place in this far-off future and deals with, you know, hundreds of years. So that's why the Alien-Predator kind of side of it and maybe this is why they incorporated into the Predator movie back last year is that it fits the aliens of that franchise fits within the Predator universe, but they don't make sense in the alien universe. Right. Um, even though like I think alien versus Predator tried to tie in um, Wayland Yutani just to kind of like, oh, this is the same universe. It's like, just no, you're trying, but no, it's not. And it's funny, just kind of um, speaking back to that one, uh, that actually brought back uh, Dan O'Bannon Dan mm -hmm. as one of the, um, as part of one of the uh, story writers, so. But, and you know, they, they had to be trying something if they're, like, going back to the guy who pretty much, because if I'm not mistaken, he actually created it. Right, yeah, like he, he created was, the original, he created right. the original story that that got Ridley Scott interested. Because uh, I want to say he, he started writing it when he was in high school or something like that. It's so wild that, like, that little cameo, and I don't know when a lot of these other things came out later. Like, I don't know the exact timeline of the Alien versus Predator, like, comic series, um, the books, the uh, video games. Um, yeah, it spawned, it, it basically went viral before things went viral. Everyone right, that, that, that one little cameo, yeah. like, all these different, time. all these writers and all these things were like, oh, we're going, we're, yeah, this, we're is, this yeah. is it, we're going with this. Yeah. And it spun off great stuff, and yet, None of it was made into film. Like, they tried to do it with Alien vs. Predator. If you ever read or you ever look at the Alien vs. Predator comic, the original one, you can kind of see, you know, little tidbits of it, but it's not quite there. And it's just, and, and I wonder if part of it is, is the fact that they never took Predator out of the present time. It could be because I mean, you, there's so many things you can't do with the aliens if technically humanity wasn't hadn't discovered them yet. 
Right, yeah. Humanity's not going to discover these aliens for a thousand years, but somehow we've got to figure out how to put them in present-day time because, well, the predators are in present-day time. Why? Does the predator race cease to exist after a few thousand years? Why can't they be? Right, like, why couldn't you have done Alien Resurrection and then a predator shows up? Yeah, like, at the end, he kept... Like, he's the one who kills, you know... The, the alien instead of there we go right instead of yeah. we were kills it like this thing he just kind of comes out like Boba Fett like some badass and just shoots him and Ripley looks over and it's like what what the hell was that yeah. <laughs> and it just it just disappears it just fade to black movies over everybody loves it Alien versus Predator comes out they can successfully write out Sigourney Weaver everything's cool they've got this great new badass character to fall in love with fighting the aliens and they could have started a war right there yeah. that would or if you were one to keep it with it and she wanted to do the action thing fine have her be this like for for what you have a human that can actually go toe to toe with the predator well yeah like like where the predator gave uh, the gun yeah. right yeah, yeah, gun. he could give her something <laughs> back to that too predator gave him the gun to Danny Glover I was kind of like okay you mean to tell me no one thought of, hey, like, we have, like, all these sets of, like, Westworld and later Game of Thrones. No one thought to just, okay, let's just take the Predator and have him go back to, like, the Wild West or ancient, like, or uh, medieval Europe. And he has to, and they have to fight this, like, weird creature or whatever. But then he, like, it turns out like the predator takes Excalibur with him or some shit. Like you know, he wins that. You know, that was also one of those things. Again, we're going back to like the second movie, um, giving us all these different Easter eggs. Predator Two, that mere thing of him giving Danny Glover a was it eighteen hundred or no seventeen hundreds um, pistol, which seemed to be in working condition, so. It, I didn't pick this up at a at a uh, antique shop. I picked this up off the guy yeah. at the time. I traveled back in time. I shot him. It's set on this shelf ever since. Or, right, or like I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like I Doc Brown and went back in time to you know take this thing. Like I've had this for over a hundred years. So one year aside, so it's like in that one seed without dialogue or anything. You're establishing that these guys have are can live for hundreds of years, have been to Earth, have been to Earth for a long time, and like in in later movies, you did nothing. Like you could think of nothing to do with that, except for keep on trying to go forward and redo the same story again. Like, that would be the one time where, like, okay, you could do a prequel in this. Because you're going back to a time where it won't matter. Or not, I mean, you wouldn't even have to do a prequel. You could even do, like, a, a montage where it shows, like, like in the opening credit sequence where it shows, like, over time the Predator, like, taking down, like, these different iconic characters where he got the Right, so you got like this, you got this like trophy case of either like between like alien artifacts slash like Earth 
like artifacts. Like you could actually have scenes where he's standing there looking at the trophy case and like flashbacks of like you know they do that in like World War Two movies all the time where people are looking at like their medals or whatever and they see them running through getting yeah. shot at or whatever. You know those types of scenes where you could actually put that in there and make it like wow, there's like history here. Yeah. It's not just the future. And and then also. By having them, and, and maybe I'm just like kind of like going like off the wall on this, by having them, by insinuating that they can be that old, they should last longer than a freaking movie. <laughs> they should, every brother should be able, regardless of the situation, there should be a couple brothers that could last through an entire movie without dying. They, they gave all the actors in the suits uh, red shirts. I guess. They're, like, they, they're wearing red shirts underneath the suits. I, mean, I guess that's what it is. Oh, yeah. That's, but that's the Alien vs. Predator. Like, like that's it, it, it fits within the Predator universe, but then, like, they throw in the aliens, but they don't make any sense yeah, within that. Because, because, yeah, because by that token, not only... Is Willie Newtani an idiot for trying to? If, if we're if you're to say that the Alien versus Predator as part of the Alien universe, they're idiots for wanting to uh, bring go bringing bringing something from space because you have a queen that is somewhere in the middle of the ocean that you could get to because technically they were. They, all they did was drag her to the bottom of the ocean. So there's a queen on Earth. Oh, sorry. No, not just one queen. There's a chance there's other queens because they do kind of do the... I will admit, they do the whole, like, predators have been here before because they show the ancient temple. But then that's the insinuate that every temple has aliens in it. So there are pockets of temples where... Aliens already exist on Earth. That's almost like was insinuated, and that you or the U.S. government willingly dropped a nuke on a U.S. town, and we're just supposed to ignore that. Well, it wouldn't be the first or the second time because two nukes actually have been dropped on U.S. soil. They didn't go nuclear. Right, okay, uh, sorry, that's just dropped. That name. Yeah, it's dropped, we've done twice. By yeah. yeah, yeah, so so in this case, though, no. detonated the on American soil in American towns, like in the middle of American towns. But, like you say, yeah, we're going to leave off, so that. Basically, yeah. I think we came up with a better alien versus predator movie. Yeah. By accident. Right, exactly. <laughs> By accident. We, we, we have no skin in the game. We are not like writers or screenwriters. It's just by accident we can come up with better stories than the trade professionals. So I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, those people make millions of dollars to do this, and we just beat them. We won't make as much money for this to make it one year in our lives. No. <laughs> So this jumps us. So in the actual Alien franchise, so we had Alien Resurrection in '97, and if we're skipping Alien vs. Predator, the Predator series, it isn't until June 8th of 2012 that we finally get Prometheus. So 
previous, we've got Ridley Scott back. So he's um, back in the director's chair. Um, but this time for screenwriters and story, we've got um, John Space. Uh, I'm saying that right. And Damon Lindolf. Um, so Prometheus, if I remember correctly, so for most part, Prometheus, um, it follows the exploits of these this alien race called the Engineers. And one scientist believes that these engineers um, potentially created mankind. Uh, so um, she, along with a crew, go to, I can't remember what the planet is, they go to the planet where they think they could find the engineers. Unfortunately, when they get there, the, one of the crews exposed, stop me if you heard this one before, uh, one of the crews exposed to an alien substance that unfortunately releases a creature. Oh. I feel like we talked about that once already. Uh, anyway. But, so, this movie wasn't really promoted to, or at least initially, um, wasn't supposed to be an alien prequel. This one was kind of weird, where, like, they were trying to say, oh, it's in the... It was like one of the ones where they were trying to say, oh, it's in the universe, but it's not an alien prequel. Like, it, it, I, I feel like that was like, they were trying to reinforce that a lot when the movie was initially coming out. This is like they wanted to... They wanted um, it to be a surprise. Then, yeah, I can't remember if it was they wanted it to be a surprise or if they just wanted it to somehow stand on its own. Which, of course, it wasn't. Right, it wasn't going to do. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a good movie, but it wasn't... Uh, it definitely didn't grab you like the first two Alien movies did. No, and... It was more of a long game. You knew there were going to be sequels. You knew there was going to be more to it because the movie was way too slow to right, that was end a, the cap in one movie. Yeah, that was another thing. This movie was just... So slow. So we're getting to that. We're getting to this moment where, um, I guess, and I don't know if it's like I said, we're not we're not screenwriters, not directors, we're not cinematographers, but it seems like we got to this point where, like, instead of filling your movie with either dialogue that matters, action that matters, or just some kind of substance, we get long sequences of either drawn out tension or view and beauty and you know sometimes it works you know sometimes it is kind of beautiful but sometimes you start and, and you know I started thinking on some of these movies it's like but this is where something could happen like you could we could cut this short by like five minutes and put something in that that's meaningful that matters, yeah. or that matters or you know or other dialogue that you cut short for whatever reason. Hey, how about the 10 minutes you took, like, driving between um, the Prometheus and that alien ship? You know, like, that long sequence where we're trudging through, like, over rocks and stuff, or, you know... Yeah. Uh, Dave, and we are talking about Michael Fassbender, you know, David playing basketball um, for 10... Where you're, like, 12... Uh, you know, for about five to ten minutes. You know, did I need all that? Um, 
And I think really they did that because there was the shot where uh, Ripley threw the basketball. It's the weirdest takeaway that they that they took away from that Alien Resurrection movie is the fact that like oh Ripley like is able to play basketball like and, and for whatever reason that's become like the like the litmus test of if you're either that you're like a super so like you're you're either a robot or like you're just like you're um, your super agility is your ability to play basketball. <laughs> like, <laughs> the weirdest sport to choose uh, for, you know, you think you want something more like martial arts or, or something with basketball. Right, yeah, but it's, like, and, and it's funny, I may have to research that, but yeah, like a lot of these movies, like, oh, I need to show off this person is like really good or really agile or something. Oh, I'll have them shoot basketball in like random positions and Without looking, and <laughs> yeah, which I mean, and maybe they took that from uh, uh, Escape from L.A. Oh yeah, that's right, that's, Escape from L.A. Yeah, yeah, I mean, cause that was a really iconic scene. Um, you know, in the movie was him being locked up and like we're going to kill you if you don't make X number of baskets. You know, just as kind of like one of the crazy freak show yeah. things that they did. You know, how long has it been since you've seen Escape from New York? Kind of a side tangent. Uh, I think it had to be mid to late 90s, probably. It was, last time I checked, it was on Netflix. You ever had a chance to watch it again? It is Escape from L.A. Like, oh, yeah, I, they're, they're identical. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, the, I, I think I watched I it. I don't think I ever went back and watched that because Escape from L.A. was such a better, using that loosely, was such a better film. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it's kind of... <laughs> I mean, it was it was cheesy as hell. It was full of tropes, but still, I, I don't know. I like those those old uh, cheesy Kurt Douglas, or Kurt Russell Kurt Russell movies. Um, yeah, I, I constantly go back and watch uh, Escape from L.A. I have a soldier. Big um, trouble. Yeah, China. Trouble in little China. China. I, I don't know why, but I like watching those. And, yeah. Well, I don't know. Like when I when I when I, uh, when I finally watched uh, Escape from New York again a couple years ago, and like um, really really took notice of the plot and what happens, I was like, oh my god, they really just copied L.A. They really just copied New York when they made Escape from L.A. They just changed little dialogues and made the graphics a little bit better at times. But it's the exact same movie. Like and nobody noticed. No. <laughs> nobody noticed. But um, kind of getting back to Prometheus, like I said, there's it, there's a lot of and this kind of goes back to uh, what happens in it works in The Martian because he does this in Martian. But I mean, and maybe it's just because of the way Mars looks, the, how. Um, not take the word how alien it looks, you know how just remote it does. Mars is not depicted as anything that you can see on Earth, so you can do long. He can do his long shots, as like long monologues here and there, and you're fine. But there's a lot of dialogue with Matt Damon, which I think also helps that movie. Um, Prometheus just 
doesn't have that. Like, it, it, these are environments we've seen before because we're either on either ship or in between, which just looks like every place else. And then, you know, and once again, when I go back to destroying, the idea of the engineers and the way they do what eventually becomes of the alien practically destroys what we know of from the first movies. It yeah. kind of, you know, invalidates those movies. It makes almost makes it with no sense when trying to say that this is a prequel of it. Uh, uh, you almost have to, with Prometheus, and we'll kind of get in the covenant in a minute, you almost have to treat it like Alien versus Predator, where, no, it's like this weird side dimension, like this weird alternative. Like, even though it's trying to um, link up with this movie, and it takes, and it notably takes place, what, like 30 years beforehand or something like that? Like they make a note of saying that it's 30 years before the events of Alien. Um, it really isn't the same. It's not the same universe, despite um, using Wayland time unit. Yeah, I think I think what they had to do was, uh, I, on top of the fact that they're still making five more movies, I think their, their end goal has to be that they want to actually redo Alien. I, I feel like because of the way the story went and how it kind of retconned a bunch of stuff, I feel like Ridley Scott's almost got the George Lucas thing going on, where he's like, "I gotta remake them. They're not. They weren't finished. You know, I gotta fix them, bring them into the new, the new era." And I almost feel like what's gonna happen is we're gonna get these next, well, now four movies, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna get Alien. They're gonna redo it. I I almost think that they're going to do kind of like what um, basically like what James Cameron tried to do and what I guess you could say Shane Black did in a sense and what um, I think they're I think they're going to do is that they're going to treat it as this the next Alien film is coming out it's going to ignore Prometheus it's going to ignore Covenant um, it's even going to ignore three and Resurrection and it's going to treat one and two as that that was the only two and it's just going to be a movie based off of the end of two well technically the uh the next one is supposed to actually be in the timeline between prometheus and covenant so it's going to be a sequel prequel to a prequel yeah oh my goodness yeah so so yeah so you've got prometheus you've got covenant and then awakening is supposed to actually happen and then they're going to do another trilogy after that. Well, let's get into, I guess let's get into Covenant then, because uh, that's that's also another one that, okay, like I said, it, it, it's, it's becoming a trope, but it does. It, Covenant, again, invalidates what happens in the second one. So Covenant um, got Ridley Scott back again for this one. It, this time there's no, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about this one. Just call it Covenant or Prometheus 2 Covenant. It's called Alien Covenant. So we definitely know there's aliens. That's right. Not. So Ridley Scott's back director. Um, screenwriters got John Logan and Dante Harper. And story, you got 
uh, Jack uh, Hagelin and Michael Green. And so, at the end of Prometheus, um, and I can't remember, uh, Shaw, I think is her name. That's right. Okay, so you got her and the head of David, because it gets ripped off by the engineer. They managed to survive uh, this whole encounter with the engineer. And, yeah, no basketball. Well, they're on the engineer. Sh- well, their basketball court got destroyed with their with Prometheus, so. <laughs> I was just referring to these missing appendages to play basketball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, the, that's also something that's kind of random. So, okay, so I guess his body was still on the ship because at the end of... Prometheus, they board the ship and supposedly, and somehow they actually get it working and they're going to go find the engineer's planet for whatever reason. It's very ambiguous on why they're wanted to go there. It's like you pretty much got your whole team wiped out but let's go after the guys who <laughs> Right, exactly. And, and also you've got the equivalent of nuclear warheads just sitting in the cargo that they were planning on, because I think in the end of Prometheus, it was like they were going to launch these things onto Earth, basically. And so we're going to go there for reasons, because she makes it sound like it's very ambivalent or, you know, I just want to know why. But you're kind of like, uh, they were kind of trying to blow, they were, trying, they were going to kill you all. So, you really need to know more about that? But anyway, so Covenant takes place about, what, 10 years later? And you've got a colony that's headed out to, I forgot, like some other planet. And I don't think they go to, I still don't think they go to, the. they get a distress signal. But I don't think it's LV426. I think it's something else. I can't remember what the planet is. I can't remember if it's officially the alien planet or not. But um, they get... And the big thing of this movie, which I never understood why they... they um, the commercials and the advertisement, they were like, oh, these are couples. These are like... Because this is supposed to be this big colony ship. And I guess they really enforced it because you're supposed to care more when certain characters get killed. Yeah, well, that seems to be more like the theme now, too, because, you know, we've talked a little bit about Lost in Space, and Lost in Space was not never supposed to be, it was never originally, like, huge outpourings of humanity to the further corners of the universe. Right, yeah. It was one family that was going to go out and see if it was possible and and then they were going to come back and say, yeah, it's all good. Now we can start saying out the colonies whereas now it's like these huge ships holding tens of thousands of people. Right. And we're suddenly having a mass exodus off of Earth like Firefly-esque. Right. (laughs) But there's really no mention of why we're trying to get I mean, we well, they should have, they should have read your uh, book, Her Own Chosen Home, and then they'd be, then they, if you would know a reason, then they would, not, then they would have a reason. Right, but I mean, they, they never really clearly defined it because the whole movie or the whole, that whole show kind of starts in the, we 
we've already left. Yeah. They don't go into, like, even, which as bad as it was, the Lost in Space movie that, uh, you know, came out, you know, they were at least like, yeah, we got to figure out a way out of Earth. They had that little bit of story that was like, yeah, this is why we're doing it. Right. That's why I'm taking my family with me, because we're trying to make things better for the future of mankind, um, you know, type of thing. But, yeah, I think, in a lot of ways, yeah, there's a lot of movies that are trying to do that now connection where you're like, oh god, he just lost his wife, or yeah. she just lost her husband, so it gives you that. It's like, dude, I'm just here to watch aliens kill people. I don't really care who they're related to. That's not the point. It's a movie. It's not supposed to be real. It's but not only that, it's like they don't, they don't, like, um, they don't, they don't put anything with the characters themselves. It's like, I care about the guys who got killed at Predator because you built up this kind of relation and you built their characters throughout the course of the movie. But you didn't have to just flat out and tell me who these guys were. You did it through the course of the movie, naturally through the you movie. Learned who they were based on the actions they took. Exactly. Yeah. And same thing with the um, crew in the first Alien movie. You you build in who they are by their actions and their actions. So you care when, you know, John Hurt gets the alien burst out of him, when um, the other guy goes down to, you know, goes when the main, I think, captain tries to go through the air ducts and gets surprised. You, you know, you, you, you've built these characters, but just tell us who they are and then expect us to care when they're just being picked off randomly. No, I'm not going to care about them. They're just, yeah, you know, like a, like a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's ten people here. By the end of the movie, all ten of them are going to be dead. Um, great. Okay, let's let's hit play. <laughs> whereas, whereas you know most movies, like you said, with Predator, I mean, you know, the one dude was the, the, the one like I guess Indian guy was a tracker. Yeah. he was so cool, and the, the fact that he kind of like was like, oh, yeah, we're, yeah, he can he can sense that. where it was at first, but yeah. he, he knew there was something wrong, but couldn't quite put his finger yeah. on it. And so you yeah. built up that emotional attachment to him because of the fact that he was helping them find. Base, yeah. yeah, but um, kind of going back to Covenant again. So Covenant, you, you're they track this signal um, to this base where they find David, and they find that everything on the planet's dead. And at first they're kind of wondering what happens, and then it turns out that David actually released a virus that killed everything. It killed everybody, and he's apparently turned psycho in this last 10 years. And he decides to release the aliens on this um, small little group. And then they have to try to survive it and get back to the colony ship and go on their way. So one of the big things that took, that I could take from uh, Alien Covenant is that was the first movie. I believe my wife actually convinced me to watch it in Dolby um, Atmos. That was like the first one. Uh, that's the first one that I saw in Dolby Atmos, um, which I remember one of the main things other than like, oh, it was like a really good picture was the red tint was that they had a, like at the time, um, the red tint from the, uh, uh, speakers and the bottom, the floor floor was like really pronounced in dark 
scene in scenes that were black. And it actually, that was like one of the most distracting. Yeah, they were finally able to get that turned down and actually most of the Dolby theaters now have blue light. Yeah. It's not as pronounced, but yeah, that was actually, um, well, the lights on the speakers, they turned they turn those out. Yeah. But the uh, the floor lighting, that was actually... Yeah, the floor lighting was uh, the one that was... That that was a... Government regulations that had to be that bright. Oh, so yeah. that's, why they could, that's why they couldn't turn it down. So that's why I was like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's not they can do about it except for change the lights out. Yeah. But, so, yeah. I think that's our track. So, once again, of invalidating what happens, we find out in the movie that Shaw... David kills her at some random point just because and is experimenting on her to create the aliens that we know of. And once again, I'm just like, why? You had her survive this. Not only survive it, but survive it with David. She basically saved his life. Saved his life and repaired him. Because it's not like, you know, at no point you said that, oh, he could regenerate or he could self, you know, repair himself. So obviously... He could access his body and have it run up and fix and put his head back on. Exactly. So obviously she fixed him. She repaired him. And... You all of a sudden have him go, now, I don't know, man, I haven't, it's been a while since I've seen him, and I didn't rewatch it, so maybe there was something that I missed on why he goes psycho, but that was so weird, it's like, hey, why did he do this, and then, again, to now say that he's the one who creates the alien, because, of course, in the end, he, um, uh, what was it, there was another uh, android, I think, what was his name, uh, They don't even go with the, um, and, it, and it's silly, he doesn't even go with the next letter, because at least all the other ones, it was always A, B, C, D, A, B, C, you know, it was going through the alphabet. So I think the first alien had Adam, or something like that, and then, of course, in the second one was Bishop, and then by, um, Tennessee. it was, huh? Tennessee, Rope. No, Tennessee was one of the uh, one of the humans. It was like I think I want to say like Walter or something like. Something off the wall, but anyway. So end of um what is it? Co- end of Covenant. Um the random survivors of that one. Um, go into cold sleep, but then as the main girl goes into cold sleep, it turns out that um, the android she thought was hers is actually David, who somehow switched with the other guy off screen, and he's going to bring aliens into this colony. And, I don't know, it's just, it was one of those, like, uh, when it finally ended, I was like, okay, fine. You're just going to do your own thing. You're no longer part of this universe. 
Um, I don't know. It's like it looked, and, it, and again, like kind of like with Prometheus, it looked good. Like they really did a really good job. I'll say this: they really did a good job on the graphics. Like the alien graphics looked really good this time. They really improved it, um, especially going back to even just the Alien versus Predators in uh, 2007, which they kind of just used the old, I think they just used the old uh, 86 Alien uh, costumes and stuff. So, you know, in, the, in Alien Covenant, they did do a good job with the Alien costumes. Um, but I said, I, I was very upset by how they just wrote out the main character of Shaw from the last one, having her survive. And again, just like it, just like I said, it, it seems like a running trope with all the other Alien movies. They just um, invalidate the struggle from the previous movie, which I think kind of does a disservice to um, the previous like especially when you do it as a franchise yeah. or you're doing these kind of series. It's kind of like we want to see, you know, if you're just going to kill the, next, the character in the next movie, we want to see something more happen with that character. We want to see it was worth it or, you know, like a payoff or something. Yeah. And, and I mean, and honestly, this could have been done more like the Animatrix where it was a bunch of just different random stories that were, in that universe, but from different points of view, different characters. Yes, I think absolutely that more successful because that's almost, in a way, what they did. Except for you have characters that bleed over into other movies, where it's like, okay, well, Ripley was in the first four, but you know, really, you could have just done Ripley in two, and then, mm -hmm. and then had a, a totally different group that has nothing to do with. This group and this one, the fourth one, could have been its own story, which in a lot of ways, with the way they invalidated the timeline, they kind of were, but if, if they weren't sold off as a franchise, then it could have been, you know, collection of stories. Yeah, this is what's happening in this part of the universe. This is what's happening in that part of the universe. This group heard about this ship and landing here, and it's going to find out why. Yeah, you know, they they have no relation, no tie whatsoever. They're just out there, and they're like, "Wow, I heard this ship. All these people got killed. Whatever. Wonder what's down there." Yeah, and, you know, out of curiosity or something. You know, I felt like it could have been. And then, of course, you know, like in the two newest, you got these long shots that just go on forever, which worked in The Martian, I think, because Matt Damon was alone. I think what really Scott did with those shots was brilliant because he was literally alone and he wanted to, he wanted to make the audience member feel like they were the only person there. Right, yeah. And, no, yeah, that makes sense. Cause so you, that makes sense in that context. Because you had the feeling because mm -hmm. he was the only person on the planet, basically. We're not we're not talking about like, oh, you're the only person in this building or in the city yeah. or in this country. You know, you're Three billion miles away, and you are it. If you don't survive, that's it. <laughs> right. There's no one's coming. Like no one's going to come back to like. They, they probably won't even find your remains by the time they can even get mount, there. get yeah. there. Yeah. And, and so yeah, so I think that works for that. But with 
Alien and Prometheus, or Alien Covenant, Covenant and Prometheus. It just it felt like they were just trying to. We need the movie to be two hours long. You know, that was the only way we were able to get the necessary funding for it. So how do we take an hour long movie <laughs> that should go straight to Netflix and get it long enough for a movie theater? Right. I mean, granted, it was beautiful and it was gorgeous, and it's amazing what we can do with computers nowadays to make scenes look. But we're saturated with that. I mean, heck, <laughs> any of the Marvel movies, you you don't see. I mean, if it would be a totally different movie if if ninety five percent of it that's all CG was pulled out. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen like little like excerpts where when you take out like CG and how. Ridiculous they look. That's why sometimes it's like, eh, sometimes you don't want to pull that thread. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of like we get it. We know what computers can do. We know what artists can do with with their talent and their vision. But at the same time, I don't need to see it for two minutes. I need to see right. it for you know the brain. The human brain can't hold an attention span that long. That's why you have to keep feeding them new data. You know, and so you know, having to see that. Long, Oh, wait, oh, something happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like, like, I mean, I mean, I've only fallen asleep in a movie once. Oh. But it was, it was so slow in its pacing that so little actually happened that I literally fell asleep. And, you know, you don't want your audience to, to do that when you're making a movie. Yeah. And, I mean, Ridley Scott hasn't done that yet, but the fact that, you know, that's so, it's so because it is such a large, large span of time. Yeah. So, yeah, so, unfortunately, you know, when we get the, the, at least the end of the known Alien series with the Alien Covenant right now, I, 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 I've got to say that I'm not quite looking forward to the next one as far as, like, what you're saying as far as what they're planning on doing with Awakening. So I've heard di- different things. So like so, yeah. So kind of come from you saying that it's going to take place between Prometheus and um, Covenant, which I'm kind of like, why? And then like, like I said, the other um, version of it, or I've heard that they're going to take because there's been like several um, alien uh, games that have come out recently that they take the plot point of right after two and they ignore what happens in three. So like Hicks is still alive and you play as like nude or something like that. Or like, it's kind of like they're still around or something like that. I've seen several either stories and games where they take that point. And that's kind of like where I've, I've heard rumors that that was one, like they, at one time I heard rumors that it was going to be two different alien movies and one was going to be kind of like what you were saying it was going to be like the sequel to Prometheus in a sense but then there was going to be another movie that was going to be the continuation of uh, Ripley New Picks like their story after Aliens so at this point I don't know where it's going to go at least it does seem like it's going to keep going so I mean there's hope that it can get better but I don't know. It's like a lot of these series when they're trying to come back. Like I said, um, the Predator I thought was just atrocious. 
Um, we didn't even talk about. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, I did on uh, on the following week. Right. Uh, if you um, yeah. anyone listening wants to go back to it, I definitely rip into that one. And there's a couple. Of, there's um, one site that I listened to that. I agree with some of what they, uh, one you channel where I agree with some of um, their criticisms and some of them I don't, but his criticism on the Predator, which I think is called Unbridled Rage um, for uh, the Predator, I agree wholeheartedly. And that's one that sometimes, even when I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad, I listen to that, like, no, it was that bad. Yeah, you know, I don't that. really need to watch it. I can just listen to this segment and look at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but like I said, with the Alien franchise, like it could be so much better and there's there's so much potential for it, just like the other ones, but I just don't know if anyone can do it. And maybe it's one of those things where it it, it did its job by growing out of the franchise. Because um, like a lot of these things, like like we talked about Terminator, Predator, even uh, things like Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, um, Goonies, these ideas kind of gave birth to a story type or genre that a lot of other movies took and did better and maybe that's the best we can hope for. Like alien, so in the case of aliens, aliens, you know, gave us this type of idea of unstoppable creatures that have a hive mind, that usually have a central uh, queen as the um, as more or less the brain, as more or less the brains of this. But this kind of unrelenting, you know, unstoppable force, basically, that all you can hope to do is survive it. And maybe rather than try to go back and recreate a sequel, just take that idea into other aspects. And, and maybe that's... Create something entirely new that uses that same... Right, it uses that ideology, and then you can create something, you know, kind of like, you can create something memorable with that, but you try to go back to it, because I always feel like a lot of these movies that they try to go back to, they take the wrong lessons, or they're um, following the wrong ideals, and it just gets muddied, or they find it comical, so they're like, make it more of a comedy search, which, you know, it wasn't meant to be as funny as you're trying to force it to be so um i said in the end i said the i still stand by that you know they did great enough they did well in the first one they did great the second one and everything else just you know pretty much was just forgettable (laughs) i mean in the end like it was forgettable like covenant like other than when it came out initially was forgettable in the end of it um prometheus Definitely forget, you know, a lot of these movies were forgettable. Um, it was well shot, it was beautiful, it had some great sequences. Will I ever watch it again? Probably if not. If I've got nothing else to do and it happens to be on TV. Right, exactly. Background noise, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out and be like, Oh, I've gotta watch this movie again. Right. I've watched them hundreds of times. Like, 
Tombstone. Brilliant movie. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's another one. All the time because it's just great and it's actually fairly historically accurate, which is rare. I've heard about that. I've heard that one was now maybe correct us if I'm wrong. I've heard that Tombstone is actually more accurate than the Wyatt Earp one. Uh, Tombstone is actually the most accurate retelling of Wyatt Earp's story. The main thing that they didn't do is there were actually six Earp brothers, mm-hmm. and they were all in Tombstone. So the, oh. movie, the, the movie only focused on his two main, the main brothers. It didn't bring the rest of them. Gotcha, movie. okay. But like the whole the scene where he walks out in the middle of the river, that actually happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that, 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 like, the, standoff. The standoff where he sh- went out there and started shooting everybody. Yeah. Two of the cowboys that survived, they went in different directions and told that exact same story to, they found a doctor and got patched up, and they, as they were, like, sitting there bleeding, they're like, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. He literally just got up from cover and walked out in the middle of the river, and nothing hit him. Like invincible, huh. and he killed Curly Bill, and he, you know, yeah. so like that actually happened, you know. So when they were actually making the Tombstone movie, they actually took historical accounts and and uh, family stories and things that were passed down yeah. that actually are true <coughs> and put all of that in the movie. Mm, so, yeah, it's actually, from what I understand, the most accurate retelling of his life story. Well, again, like I said, Tombstone, another movie to go back, but uh, these the, the current Alien movies, not so much. We'll see what happens with the new one. And then, of course, we got uh, Terminator Dark Fate, which is coming out, I uh, believe, in about two weeks from today. So, um, so we'll see how that goes, and maybe we'll come back for that one. But I do want to um, eventually kind of come back, because I was thinking about it would be great if we could talk about... Um, like details on maybe the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, of course, we'll have to split that into different phases because that's a. Uh, or. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, we could. Uh, we could skip uh, Japan's, even though, uh, yes, Leoparded is actually probably one of the best backs in the whole uh, universe. But uh, no, I was thinking just the cinematic universe. Um, or even it, now you mentioned Tombstone, um, maybe we'll maybe we can come back and do uh, uh, westerns that we actually liked. So because I because I think uh, I no, <laughs> but I think uh, an, an under, underrated one that I need to see again, Quick and the, the Quick and the Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of underrated. But um, so we're gonna kind of close this. It's been a very lengthy episode, so. I um, hope whoever's listening to this, thank you for uh, sticking with us for this long. Listen to us ramble on. But, um, Dave, before I go, David, what should let us know? Is there anything that's kind of upcoming or anything that you want to kind of like talk about or shout out? We've got you here. Uh, I mean, right now, I'm just, I've just been, when I have time, now that I'm working crazy hours, been streaming on my Twitch channel. Uh, yeah. Blundering through classic RPGs, and I thought I was the way that all started, which I think I've told you this story is I was literally playing these games I haven't played for years, and I was laughing at myself at how bad I was. I kept yep. dying. I think I 
I think it started with Halo, actually. I went back and tried to play the original Halo after not playing it for like 10 years, and I was just getting shot by everything. And I was like, <laughs> where did all my skill go? Right. It is true. If you don't use it, you lose it. So, so literally, I was laughing at myself. I was like, I bet other people would enjoy watching me play like a complete, total noob idiot. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, yeah, I want to play Final Fantasy VII again. And I'm still not through it because I got and ended up getting screwed up and then I yeah, we talked about that. Uh, ended up start playing uh, other RPGs and just really enjoying it and I had people like I can't believe you're playing Chrono Trigger and streaming it that's so cool or Fantasy Star people were just, I actually had people get excited about those old games watching me play them and I'm like great I'm glad you enjoy it <laughs> I'm just playing them because I wanted to play them and I figured well I've got a really awesome internet package so why not stream them too you know so I've been doing that. I'm trying to get back into writing, but I just I'm not having any inspiration right now. Mm-hmm. But once I do, I plan on starting up my sequel to uh, to Hurling Towards a Home and get that going. And okay. So and then hopefully eventually start my podcast back up. I have to take a break and yeah, just I know I have listeners out there like yourself and there's others that contact me like where's your show go? <laughs> exactly. Like, a job and it's taking up I, I get four hours of sleep a night and that's it and I'm going to work so yeah well definitely hope uh, like I said your podcast comes back and of course you still write it but when you're ready of course and that's the main thing because you know we don't want to do it because you're forced to we want to do it because you don't want to end up like those. no definitely don't want to end up like these movies here where you're just kind of pumping them out just because so don't end up like the alien franchise or at least no, no, like the later Amazon franchise. Be like alien and aliens if you can. But um, but I want to definitely thank you for coming by. Um, and of course, um, she was listening and to steal something from you, uh, taking time of your, your day to listen to what these two guys have to say. <laughs> but um, but definitely thank you, and I appreciate it. And uh, please stay tuned because I'm going to try to. Be more consistent with my show and get more stuff out to you. But thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great weekend. Peace.